Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. As always, my favorite part of the week when I get to share my incredible guests with you and I get to interact with you all on social media after the show. And I just love this time of the week because there are people I get to introduce you to. Sometimes they're new into my life, into my being, and other times they're people I've known for, gosh, such a really long time, but they've been these consistent people in my life that when I read the stuff they post, when I read the books they write, when I just interact with them, they shift my thinking consistently over the years, and I get to enjoy bringing them to you. And my guest today is no different. I have the amazing, amazing Carl W. Palachuk. He is a friend from forever through the tech world, and he was the first person to ever, ever, ever interview me around my book while we were sitting at a conference in a corner, and he recorded this quick 10-minute thing, and I'm always grateful to him for that moment in time. So, Carl, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I think that was on that weird, odd, round couch thing at IT Nation. It was. (laughs) (laughs) It was, and we pulled over to a corner, and I remember I was dragging a suitcase on wheels with copies of my book that I had just gotten advanced copies of, and I had just left the tech world, and I went to IT Nation, and they ended up giving me a pass to get into the exhibits, just because they're like, Laura, but you have to be here. So I remember wandering around giving out everybody copies of my book, and you were one of the first people to get a copy. Happy to have it. It's a good book, too. So Thank you so much for that. And I remember the first time you were on my show, which was years and years ago, when I first started this show, which was four years ago now, um, we talked about your book, Relax, Focus, Succeed. And I was handed that book by Arlen Sorensen way back when when it first came out, because Arlen's like, you need this book. (laughs) I did not know that. Yeah, it was at an HTG peer group or a small business thing because one year he combined them with um, the peer groups with, I think it was a, an SMB event that you yeah, were involved uh, in. SMBTN. Yes. And he, he's like, Laura, you really need this book. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he was so right because he's like, you do so much, but you don't know how to relax at all. And it's starting to hurt your health and your life and everything else. And, and he handed me the book. Oh, very cool. I, yeah. uh, now I know that story. I've never heard that before. So. Well, I see you learn something new every day. And I know my listeners are going to learn a whole bunch of stuff by having <laughs> you on the show. And, you know, I was reading a recent post, an email that I got. And we're going to make sure that everybody knows how to sign up for your small biz thoughts newsletter, and I know it has a lot of tech stuff in it, but there's so many other beautiful things for anybody that's not in the tech world, and for those in the tech world, you definitely need to be getting onto his um, mailing list, but I, I read the latest newsletter and it said, how did it get to be late September? 
Nothing happens by itself. And I'm reading it, Carl, and it says, you know, you in the, by the 13th day of travel this month, you were heading home. You went to a whole bunch of different events. You went over to Scotland. You went to, you saw our, our buddy Richard Tubb, who's been a guest on the show. You ended, mm-hmm. you went to multiple conferences. You flew from, you know, you dealt with the celebration of life for your brother Arlen, which that's a whole other conversation, but my heart goes out to you. Um, you. You posted your first Friday newsletter inside the community, recorded three podcasts, wrote more than a chapter in your next book, taught three online cast classes, had four coaching consulting calls, posted two SOP videos, wrote two blog posts, and helped several folks who were looking for stuff in your community. And, I, I mean, I got exhausted just reading that paragraph. <laughs> and Well, you have to remember that the big picture for me is always balance, right? So right. even though it sounds like a lot, some of it is this schedule, right? Like I put out a video every Friday, and so whatever it takes, I make that happen, you know. And then other stuff, it comes up, and I and I slot it into available time. And so it's it's much more manageable than it sounds like. So how do you manage it? Because that is one of the hardest things for entrepreneurs to get. I was working with a client last night. He's trying to transition, he's building to transition from a full-time day job to his passion, which is a photographer in the environmental space. And he's, in eight months, he's gotten some scheduling much better and everything, but he's still struggling with how do you fit all these things in? So how, how do you do that, Carl? Well, so I, I, I have to admit, and not like most people, in 2011, I literally wrote down, I want to write more, I want to speak more, I want to travel more. And I have since then recreated my life and recreated my work so that that's what I do. I write and I speak and I travel. And so, you know, I, I have a discipline of, of making sure the big stuff gets done, so I write a minimum of one book a year, and I have um, a discipline of making sure the little stuff gets done, like that the podcast goes out, the video goes out, right, the, the newsletters go out. And another thing that's really important is that I leave blocks of time in my schedule, and too many people schedule themselves in 15-minute increments, and their, their entire day is jam-packed. And, of course, the only thing that can happen in that situation is that one thing goes over by one minute and your entire day is destroyed. And, and then that, that flows over till tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. <laughs> and so I, I don't do that. I leave these, these work-sized blocks of time so that when a, an empty block comes up, I can choose, oh, what am I in the mood for? Writing, reading. Uh, creating a video, talking to my staff, working in my community, right? I, I can fill in whatever is the most important thing that needs to be done at that point. How much time do you leave free in those blocks, or does it vary depending on the day or the week? So it varies uh, partly because of travel, but, you know, on an average week, I will have at least 
one day where I have no appointments. Like there's literally nothing on my calendar for the entire day and I don't let anybody put anything onto the calendar. And then I frequently have two hour blocks. Two hours is enough time to finish up what I'm doing, start something new, make some progress, finish that up and then go on to the next thing. Um, and you know, a lot of people feel that if there's, there's, there's any air, or there's any space in their schedule, they're being lazy and they're being unproductive and they're being horrible. And you know, the world tells them that they have to schedule everything and it's just not true. Uh, you know, you, you need to leave space for goodness to happen, right? Oh, I love that. Leave space for goodness. A life coach who always always uses this phrase, like you know, you know, leave space for this person that you were angry with to to come back to you. Leave space for you know something good to come in. Leave space, right? And it's it's kind of an interesting concept because a lot of us don't leave space for good things to show up in our lives. No, we we really don't. We're like, okay, need to get all these things done. And we've got family, we've got work, we've got some other project we're working on in, in our communities. And we schedule ourselves. You know, they talk about overscheduling your kids nowadays. I've never had kids, but I've seen friends who have children that their kids are in school all day and then they've got three different after-school programs, and then they've got all their homework, and then they've got all this other stuff, and we wonder why our kids are burning out, forget why we're burning out. I love that idea of leaving space for goodness. Yeah, and, you know, the part of it is, you know, the only thing I like about a calendar is that I can visually see what the day looks like. And I I literally never put in the little 15-minute things. You know, it would drive me insane, you know, to to see that I have 42 things scheduled today. (laughs) I have the big blocks and the necessary times. Pretty much the only thing that goes on my calendar is when I have to interact with somebody else, right? So your show is on my calendar, but, you know, for the time after that, I don't list the, the things that are, I'm going to do in my office because when I move away from the calendar, then I work from highest to lowest priority. And I didn't know last week what was going to be the highest priority thing in my life this morning. So I couldn't slot it into the calendar, right? Um, and sometimes you do, but for the most part, you know, interacting with other people goes on the calendar. Working on priorities is what fills in the spaces in between. Okay, so because this is something I literally had a conversation with the other day. They said, how do you figure out your priorities because life happens? And because they were having a struggle of, well, I want to do this and I want to do that and I want to do that, I need to do this, I need to do that, they were putting it all on their calendar and going, okay, today I'm going to do this and, and during these hours. But they've been struggling constantly with actually doing those things. And here you're saying the only time it's on your calendar is if you're interacting with somebody, but somewhere off on the side you've got your priority list of writing, speaking, podcasts, this, that, or the other thing. 
has, yes. how have you trained your brain? <laughs> well, again, some things are easy. Like I, I remember I wrote a, or I, I read an article, I don't know, 20 years ago. And it was about, basically it said, on Tuesdays we have lasagna. Uh, or on Tuesdays we have pasta, something like that. And basically this person was saying, look, the way that, that she organized her, her week for making sure all the meals were interesting and varietal was that there was a day for pasta and a day for fish and a day for meat and, you know, and, and all of this. And so in some ways I kind of do that, that my technology newsletter goes out on Monday morning at 1 a.m., which means if I'm, if I'm a good boy, I'll be 99% done with that by Friday at 5 p.m., right? And usually I, I will tweak it over the weekend or add a picture or something. But for the most part, that means I, if by Friday, 5 p.m., I got to be done with that newsletter. And then my Relax, Focus, Succeed newsletter that actually people can just go to relaxfocussucceed.com and sign up for that. So that newsletter goes out either the, the beginning or the end of the last week of the month. It's, it's not a set date. And so that one's like, oh, it's got to get done, but it's not super, you know, stressful. There's no hard date to it. Uh, but the weekly one is every week, every week, you know, for now 20 years. And other things like videos, got to go out on Friday. So some of those, I'll do three videos in a row and then use scheduling tools to make sure that they go out for the next three Fridays while I'm traveling, you know, stuff like that. So it's a combination of, you know, when I have one of those open blocks, I figure out what to do, then I use my scheduling tools to distribute it to the universe. <laughs> right? so okay. It, it, it appears that I'm far more uh, ambitious than I really am. I'm, I'm shockingly lazy. I just, you know, I use tools to make it look like I'm busy. You know, it's so funny because Richard Tubb used almost those exact same words when I had him on my show a few months ago. He goes, I'm shockingly lazy, so I've learned how to get things done so that I can be lazy. Happy to have something in common with Richard. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, you know, I I knew you guys were were very alike in a lot of ways, and now I'm finding out even more. Well, and we also, you know, thoroughly enjoy spending time together. So I visited his hometown of Newcastle-upon-Tyne recently. So I, I was going to a conference, and it's for people who run membership associations. And it was in Newcastle. And so um, he took me around, and we spent the day just enjoying the city. And then uh, I wanted to, you know, I like beaches. So even though it was very cold... I took some time and I went off to this beach where I could put my toes in the North Sea. You know, it's like, I'm never going to do this again probably because it's too cold. But <laughs> it was worth doing, you know. So, uh, but, yeah, I, I enjoy spending time with him. And we we kind of keep track of each other. So he was going to New Orleans a couple of years ago. And I was doing my road show in New Orleans. And so I said, hey, you want to speak at the road show? And he said, oh, that would be really cool. So uh, he and his wife met me there, and uh, and then we hung out for a day, and then he talked at my roadshow. So, so it was very cool. Not as cool as the water was, but very cool. <laughs> exactly. 
Which leads me to another thing, because you happen to be one of the punniest and funniest people I know. <laughs> and if anybody, if you go up to Facebook and friend Carl on Facebook, just know that every day, sometimes multiple times a day, these ridiculous, punny, funny posts will happen. How do you maintain that level of joy and fun in your life? Well, I am extremely lucky to have had two amazing parents. And I have uh, five brothers. When I was young, we had five brothers. And so there were six boys all together, plus mom and dad. And we had this big, round dinner table. And every day, part of our routine was that you go around the table and everybody says what you did today, something that was interesting, and you tell a joke. And so, or, or talk about something funny that happened. And so, literally, humor is built into our lives. It's built into kind of who we are as individuals. And so, uh, it's the same thing. I get together with all my brothers and there will always be some spontaneous half hour or hour long period where all we do is somebody starts telling jokes and somebody tells another one and another one and another one. And so I have enjoyed humor my entire life. I, I, it's been built into me that it is a good necessary piece of, of your life. And there's lots of research that says that, you know, the way to to being is through doing, right? So the way to be happy is to do things that, that are happy, right? So, you know, even just forcing yourself to smile when you're feeling depressed improves your attitude, right? So there's, uh, you know, for me, I just build humor into what I do. Where do you come up with your material, though? Because I, I've never seen the stuff you come up with. <laughs> well, so obviously... Some of it is just things that I have collected over the years. I have probably a three-foot shelf of uh, humorous books and jokes and so forth. Uh, I've been collecting joke books and puns since I was a kid. And uh, so that's a piece of it. But also just the way my brain works. I love words and I love wordplay. So if you say something, you know, like, a word, and then I, my brain immediately thinks of something that either sounds like that or that sounds the same but means something different. It's just my brain just instantly does that. So I would say probably of what you see on Facebook, uh, on any given week, say maybe 75 or 80 percent comes out of uh, a book where I, you know, I just literally flip to the page and I look at, and I go, oh, there's a good one, or uh, the, the, the rest of it is something that I was fishing around on the Internet or reading something, and something popped into my head. So that's the other 20 or 25%. How do you feel that humor factors in with your ability to um, really get things done? Well, you know, there's a couple of pieces to that. One is I, I do think that the positive attitude is related to that, that you know, I get up and I think about, you know, I mean, one of my perspectives on life is, you know, what will make this enjoyable, right? Uh, so that's huge. Um, another thing is in working with others, you know, humor diffuses stress. 
it makes people smile, it gets people to engage. Um, I've been speaking publicly for more than 20 years, and I get one piece of advice all the time. Literally, even when I was in Toastmasters when I was a kid, uh, don't start with a joke. And you've seen me speak. I always start with a joke. I 100% ignore that advice um, because it sets a level where people say, okay, uh, this guy has got something interesting. Maybe they, they may not even think it's funny, right? Um, but they, they hear people laughing and they go, oh, wait, I should pay attention. And then it kind of sets them like they're kind of ready for there to be another joke somewhere along the line. And so if I say something in my presentation that's a little bit funny, they're actually going to think it's funnier than it is because they're sort of set to move in that direction. And um, I wouldn't say I, I tell jokes other than an opening joke. I don't actually tell jokes during my presentation, but I try to be humorous. And I think it draws people in. It warms them up. Um, it's, it's not, um, you know, sometimes a message can be so serious that it gets people into a mood of being a little bit, maybe not depressed, but, you know, very stern feeling. Um, and I can deliver a stern, solid message without feeling preachy because, you know, I just had them laughing and now I've had them thinking about something serious. And so I can make that transition and it, and it helps them hear that message in a way that they might not have heard it uh, otherwise. I think Toastmasters always tells you not to lead with a joke because so many people can't. They, right. they just can't deliver it well, and it doesn't fit with their personality, so they're trying to be something that they're not. For you, it really is who you are. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it literally is like what I enjoy doing and how I enjoy seeing the world, and, you know, so why would I not do that? Yeah, you're showing every aspect of your personality and being completely authentic in the process, which yep. is a key to your longevity, Carl. <laughs> oh, now we're going to talk about my age, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're we're similar of age. Well, not quite. I think I'm a little bit younger than you, but um, yeah, we're not going to talk about the mental age either. So. Which often is very different than the actual age. But right. Well, my in, my mental age is definitely lower than my actual age. So. You know, I've seen speakers come and go over the years, and they they'll have their high where they're they're able to be there for a year or two or even five, and then all of a sudden something will come up, and people will find out that everything they've been they've been saying is not what they're living. It's not who they actually are, and it tends to negate the amazing content that somebody was giving because people now question that content. What do you right. think about that? Well, there are people who are, uh, uh, charlatan is kind of uh, probably a little strong, but there are people who um, I think in many ways they're short-sighted about making a sale. You know, and today on the Internet, there's so many of these funnels that you've seen where the funnel is, at this point, visible a mile away, right? That, oh, get this free report, click here, okay, now give us your email, hey, do you want to buy this thing for $7? 
okay, now that you've put in your credit card information, do you want to buy this thing for a hundred? No. Okay. How about this thing for 50? Okay. Yeah, okay. Here's your video. <laughs> All right. On that thought, we're going to go into the national news and the national commercials. <laughs> Funny now, the way that happened. We are here with Carl W. Palachuk, everybody on the Best questions, and we'll be right back with more as Carl shares his amazing biz thoughts and how to relax, focus, and succeed in a way that you never thought of it before. You know, he's been advising me for many, many years, and I know you're just going to love him. So hang on. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. And I'm trying really hard not to laugh because I was just listening to the commercial from one of our sponsors, UIB, Ken Heron at Art Talk. And when he said bot, it sounded like uh, Max Headroom. I'm showing my age. Where it was like, bot. <laughs> it really sounded like a computer-generated robot at that moment in time. <laughs> So, Mr. B, we're going to have to get that fixed because it doesn't do it at the beginning of the show. It only does it at that half hour. Um, we're here with Carl. I'm going to get Pop. Max Headroom on my uh, Alexa. Oh, can you do that? I, I don't know, but I would pay money for it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love that show. It was so much fun, Carl. Um, so, Carl, you know, we're before, before the uh, – I'm still laughing because I have this total picture of Max Headroom now. <laughs> <laughs> in my head and I can't get rid of it. So thank you for making me laugh. Um, before the break, we were talking about selling and authenticity and longevity of speakers and people doing things, and we continued that into the commercial break. I want to pick that up. And you said something so brilliant because I asked you the question during the break, why do some people sell more than others and why doesn't authenticity sell more? And you went, well, it's not that impulse buy of the candy at the register. Let's talk about that. Well, yeah. So a lot of the internet sales is, you know, clickbait and, you know, buy, buy, buy. And, you know, oh, this is so amazing. And, you know, all that. And they, they, they get you in and there's literally, and, you know, and I love Russell Brunson and the whole, um, you know, click funnels and all that. I, I, I love that approach, but the execution is sometimes so blatantly money-focused. It's not about, hey, I can help you. I can actually sincerely help your business. And, you know, the truth is, if there's a long play where what I need you to do is engage with me, you know, read this book, take a class, you know, there's like a one-year process that's going to get your business up to the next level, that's far less sexy than, you know, buy now, it's only $9.99 and will double your income, right? And so people click on the thing that they know deep in their heart is not going to make any difference unless they do the hard work to change their business. It's just a lot less exciting. So, you know, it's funny. I have an assistant, Kara, who's, you know, the community manager for my online community. And every once in a while, I'll talk about doing a certain thing for marketing, and she will say the words, which I totally love. She will say the words, does that really fit with your brand, right? Because my brand is not high-pressure sales. My brand is not clickbait. My brand is not uh, chewing gum at the checkout counter. Right? My brand is long-term, this is good for you personally, long-term, this is good for your business. And that's a little, it is a bit of a harder sell. Yet, 
There are, in the tech world especially, there's one person who's really known for this one way of marketing that is all about that. And she gets resellers to sign up with them, her all the time. And I know when I had somebody who was working for me that signed up without my knowledge and I was like, okay, well, I'll give it a shot. I was like, it doesn't fit my brand at all, my business brand at all, but yet I watched all these other people make a ton of money, even though it wasn't who they are, but they changed who they were because, as you said, it's money-focused, but they also felt they were helping people by marketing that way. How do you respond to something like that? So so I know who you're talking about, So, and I, I'm happy to say your name because, you know, I love her, right? And And the reason is because even though she might market differently than I do, what she then does is get people into the program. And, you know, it's, it's sort of like, okay, now that I've got you into the program, here's the deal. You have to work your tail off for years to build up this business and make it be as amazing and successful as you can. And she pushes everything in that direction. So it's sort of like she sells herself as a marketing person, but when you get into her program, it's like, okay, so you have to revamp your hiring process and your client onboarding process and your delivery process and how you package and how you bundle, right? It's like basically she's an over-the-top business coach. Marketing is what she does best, so that's how she gets people into her program. So in the long run, uh, I love her approach, uh, although that that marketing, that way of marketing isn't necessarily the way that I would do it in my business. You know, so back to your original question, which is about people who, you know, they, these speakers come and go, and some of them are fraudulent, and some of them are, are have lasting power. Uh, what you do in the long term is who you are, right? And so how, there's there's the piece of how do you get people in the door, and then there's a piece of how do you treat them for the next five years? And, you know, I have people who have been buying my products and services literally for 15 years. So I can look at that and say, I, I feel very confident. I'm not ripping people off. I'm not promising one thing and, and delivering another, you know. So, and, and it's hard to know because on the Internet, everybody looks the same until you engage with them and give them your money. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's another really interesting conversation call because, you know, the person we were just talking about, I respect the heck out of her, and, and we'll just say her name, Robin Robbins, because she's been around forever. She's consistent, and it works for a lot of people, and if it doesn't work for, like, it didn't work for me, I went in a different route with another coach that fit, aligned more with me. But I think you said something really important, um, especially about Robin. She is authentically Robin. Right, and that is really important that she's doing herself and helping others work their butts off, as you say, and the people that disparage her are ones who left the program because they weren't willing to work their butt off. They're the ones that thought they were just buying the candy and it would instantly work. Yeah, and I've had people that, you know, so I have this online community for IT professionals, and I've had people who say, hey, you know, I'm not really getting anything out of this. Can I cancel my membership? And I'll say, okay, well, let me just look. So 
you haven't taken any classes, you haven't downloaded any books, you haven't downloaded any audio programs, you haven't downloaded any check, well, like you, like you're not making any effort whatsoever to get anything out of this. So, uh, you know, on one hand, if you stay, you can take advantage of all these things. If you go, because you know you're never going to download an audio program and listen to it, well, then, you know, you are in fact wasting your money if you don't do anything with it. And Robin's stuff is the same way. People say, well, this didn't work for me. Well, what did you do? Well, I sent out one letter to 100 people, and I didn't get any response. You know, and yeah. of course she's going to say, why would you? <laughs> Who would respond to that, right? It's like there's not a system, there's not an effort, there's not an ongoing, um, you know, program to get a response. Have you ever heard of Steve Ulsher? No. Not not in the tech world, but in the podcast marketing world? No. Uh-uh. You'll, you'll want to check out Steve Ulsher. He's... He's amazing, and, and he reminds me a lot of that, right, because he has a number of different programs, including a big year-long mastermind program. It's not a small dollar amount, but it's also not a high dollar amount when you know how much you're supposed to put into it and how he and his team put into it. And he's very much, if, if you're not going to do the work, just, just you know, 30 days out. If you're not going to put the work in, you need to move on because that's not what signing up with me is all about. I'm expecting you to kick butt, take names, and, and put the work in. Exactly. Yeah. So, and, you know, part of it is also that, you know, sometimes you get to a program and it's at a moment in your life when you are ready to move forward. You've got a little time, a little energy. You can make changes in your business and just, you know, all the stars align. And at that point, you buy into a program, whether it's $200 or $500 or 1000 and you get massive value out of it. Um, you could have bought into that exact same program six months before when you were overwhelmed and had no time and, you know, just trying to barely get by every day. Well, you don't have time to make any changes. You don't have the ability to delegate anything. You, you literally can't take any value out of it. Um, so part of it is where you are in your life, and, and part of it is what what you choose to engage in in order to get to the next level. Okay, so what question would you recommend that my listeners ask themselves to know if they really are at the right or close to right point in their life to take on growing a business or starting a business or starting something new? Because I know in a moment... You get excited about something. It's like, yes, yes, yes. But really, you're not mentally or physically all there yet. Well, it's interesting because those things uh, kind of interact with one another. One is, is the t- time and energy and so forth. And the other one is the excitement. And I'm a huge, huge believer in paying attention to what you're excited about because you will always have more energy and more time for something you're excited about. If you tell me I'm full up, I work, you know, dust till dawn and I can't fit anything else into my schedule and I have no time for anything, you know, da 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 da. And then suddenly you find a new hobby, whether it's photography or drones or, you know, whatever, and you you get excited about it. Now suddenly you have time to research new lenses for your camera. You have time to take an outing to go 
you know, practiced getting a certain shot. You've got two hours to, you know, figure out how to take a shot of the moon, right? Suddenly your excitement level makes time magically appear in your schedule. And it's really not about time. It's about priorities. And so when people tell me, oh, I don't have time for this, what they're really saying is I don't have a priority for that. (laughs) So if your priorities change, you will magically have time for everything you decide that you have time for. But too many of us go down the road of, building these walls that we have to live inside of, and then we get frustrated and irritated at the world that we have created for ourselves, you know? And you've said this, I've said it. If you if you have built a job you hate, it is your own fault, right? So, you know, especially for people who are self-employed, um, if you want to take on a new thing and you want to get to the next level and so forth, you have to commit to action and you have to, um, get yourself excited about something. If all you care about is, oh, I want to double the revenue, even though we all like money, it's not very motivating. You know, what it buys, being able to go on vacation, taking time off, spending time with the kids, right? Those are motivating. Uh, money, you know, just adding zeros at the end, it's, it's just not that big of a motivator by itself. Yeah, I know some people it is. <laughs> But they burn out on it really fast. Exactly. They are so motivator. And then they get burned out because right. at the end of the day, it's like, oh, okay. And, and, of course, you know, you've heard this as well, that the more money you have, the more money you spend, right? The, the, your expenses, your lifestyle rises to the level of your income. Um, and so at the end of the day, you still don't have any money left over. You just have a really nice watch and a really nice car that are worth 10 cents on the dollar if you charge to sell them because you don't have any money for retirement. Right. It's interesting, the quote you said, if you have built a job you hate, it's your fault. One of the things that I used to do, especially after I sold my my company, my tech services company, Guardian Angel, um, people who had businesses like mine, MSPs, wanted to ask my advice on, on how to sell your business. And one of the first questions I ask them is, well, why do you want to sell? Why, what do you dislike most about your business that you want to sell? And invariably, there were just several aspects. They really didn't want to sell. They were just hating parts of what they do and felt weighed down and had no excitement about it. So I would often right. coach them to help them delegate or let go several customers or aspects of their business that really dragged them down and increase the stuff that excited them. And it was amazing to see the difference in their businesses within six months to a year from there. And other people, they just needed to sell. Right. Well, and, you know, it's also the case that when we get new ideas, we get excited about the new idea. Right. It is now we're back to the candy at the checkout. Right. right. <laughs> the, the, the new thing like, oh, man, if I do this flat fee pricing or if I do this bundling or if I, you know, start selling this new cool technology, um, that can make a difference. And we don't even necessarily have to have a, a clear, precise plan of what we're going to do. Uh, we just have an idea and then we get excited about that and the plan emerges. Right. And uh, I, I'm a huge fan of meditation, spending quiet time every morning, and just like 
you know, I say, you know, shut up and let the universe have its turn to talk, right? So part of what happens in those quiet periods is you let ideas, you know, wander into your head. And every once in a while, there's a really good idea that it may have occurred to you in a dream while you were asleep, but now you have access to it while you're awake. And you can begin planning and scheming and, and enjoying that whole process of coming up with a new adventure. And, you know, that's a cool thing. But, you again, it's like you have to allocate a, a space for that goodness to show up. Uh, if you've blocked out your entire day from, you know, 6 o'clock in the morning until 11 o'clock at night, then there's no time for new, fun, exciting stuff to just show up. What does your meditation look like in the morning? Do you pose a question? Do you say om? Do you stare at a candle? Do you listen to a guided meditation? What does that look like for you? So usually I do guided meditations in the evening, but in the morning uh, I have a couple different places in my house where I can go to meditate. I have like actual, like there's a, there's a chair, you know, next to a candle, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, normally what I do is I will do reading first. And so I'll, I'll sort of get my brain woken up and interested in something. And then I will try to clear my brain and just relax. And, um, I usually in the morning, I'm either going to spend about 15 minutes in a chair looking out the window, or I'm going to spend 15 minutes in the hot tub watching the hummingbirds. Right, so those are two really good meditations, um, and you know, it's for me no music, no talking, no you know, just just listening to the universe, and uh, but it's just it's just a time to say, all right, this is my opportunity to do absolutely nothing, and then see what comes up, and you know, many people probably the closest they get is when they're in the shower and they have a really great idea. And why does that happen? It's because you don't have headphones, you're not listening to anything, your brain is not otherwise engaged. It's the only time that we have to like be alone and just relax. And it's amazing what happens when you let your brain relax. And, and again, most people don't set aside time to just make that part of their day. I think you're going to start a new trend called hot tub meditation. <laughs> Fine with me. My second favorite meditation is uh, to meditate on a beach in Hawaii while the sun is coming up and then go for a swim in the ocean. So. Oh, I'm so with you on that. Although I'm not so sure about <laughs> the sun coming up. I really have a hard time waking up before sunrise. <laughs> so, I'm more well, of a night the, person. The sun sets. You know, the sun comes and goes at a different time of day, right, no matter where you are. And uh, so sometimes I'll be like, I'll, I was in Australia a couple of years ago and I was like, oh man, I'm going to get up, you know, the sun ro- rose at like 5.30 in the morning. I'm like, oh, okay, maybe not. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like we you said, you got to get up, get ready, get down there before the sun actually comes in. I'll never forget, I was talking to my office in Connecticut when I was down here in Florida one day. I was talking to one of, one of the guys and one of my engineers, and I... I like paused and he's like, are you there? And I'm like, oh my God, it's the most unbelievable sunset I've ever seen. And he goes, that's just cool. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, it's been dark here for like 45 minutes already. (laughs) And it never really hit me because, you know, I was still on the East Coast. 
I was just from Connecticut to Florida, and to me, it sunset, sunset. And that was the moment I realized that, you know, where I am relative to the equator, the sun does set later than it does in Connecticut. It just never hit me at that until that moment. I want to make sure before the show ends that you have a chance to share with people, Carl, how they can reach out to you, get your on your newsletters for Small Biz Thoughts, Relax, Focus, Succeed, get your books, whatever it may be. So share. Oh, thank you very much. So for IT professionals, Small Biz Thoughts, B-I-Z, smallbizthoughts.com or .org will get you to me. Um, and for everybody else, Relax, Focus, Succeed, Dot com uh, is the website. Uh, both of those have an opportunity to sign up for both newsletters. So I have about 10,000 people on each newsletter, um, which surprisingly does not have 100% overlap. But uh, uh, anyway, so that's the easiest way. Or uh, Google Carl Polishuk and I'll come up somewhere along the way. Right, and you have some podcasts and stuff out. I mean, there's so much, but... If they go yeah. to Relax, Focus, Succeed, or Carl Palachuk, they can see all the different books that you have out and order anything that you have and take classes and reach out to you if they have a question about our show. Yeah. So, yeah, we just, we just had to stop, start a half hour ago to list all the stuff I have out there. <laughs> I know, right? I, it's just pages and pages and pages of amazing things, resources that you have available. And, and that's, Thank you. That's a real tribute to the legacy that you're leaving to the world, Carl, and I just want to acknowledge you for that. You've impacted many people along your journey in a positive way. Thank you. I appreciate that. So, I mean, it's, it's interesting because if you read Relax, Focus, Succeed, nothing has changed in the last 20 years. My, my purpose in life, my vision is to help myself and to help others to be more successful, right? And so... Uh, it's all about balance. It's all about, you know, just figuring out what works and what doesn't. And too many people just keep doing what they keep doing. And you have to start doing new things and stop doing old things. And that's, you know, inch by inch, you work your way forward. Yeah, because you keep doing old things all the time, even if they're working, you never necessarily expand. Right. Yeah, and then people say, well, you know, but I've been doing this forever. I can't get rid of it. And like, okay, but you know, whatever. You've been blogging for for five years, and you have seven followers. It's okay to just stop doing that and go do something else, or or recommit, retool, redesign. You know, push the reset button and then move forward. Um, but don't just keep doing stuff because you did it before. Uh, I'm I'm real big on if I if I drop something, I literally just. Uh, stop doing it. I generally don't make an announcement. Um, I redirect the web page to an essay I wrote on sometimes you have to stop doing things right? <laughs> and, and I move on. Uh, and I don't lose any sleep over the things that I have stopped doing, even if it was something I just dearly loved and I thought it was going to be amazing and change the world and then nobody cared. Um, because I also do some things where people do pay attention and do care. So, you know, it's, but, but it, you have to keep doing new stuff that keeps your brain interested and excited once again, like we talked about. I want to read your essay, Sometimes You Have to Stop Doing Things. <laughs> I don't think I've ever read that one. So, uh, 
Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can give you a website that that redirects to it. Uh, just testing it right now. Yeah. So go to promotionmonkey.com and it'll redirect you. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, and it's basically know when to quit, right? Right. So. Which is like a whole other conversation for another show because we only have like a minute and a half left to this show today, and and that's such a big thing because. A lot of my listeners don't know when to stop trying, like keep hitting the wall or trying to go around the wall or under the wall or over the wall, and, and then they take a couple more steps forward, but they never really seem to be able to get that to take off. But they're like, but right around the corner, it's going to change. And, and I'll give you a perfect example. Just recently, I have this small biz thought. I, I've got this SMB community podcast, right? So it gets about 2,000 downloads. Uh, an episode, which is good. And then I was looking at the stats. Uh, I also did it as a video, and only about 70 people a week ever watch the video. So I oh, wow. doing the video piece of it. All right. So look at your statistics. See what's going on. Don't just assume it's going to change because it may not. Carl, you just gave me pages of notes of things that I just took from, from listening to the show um, and interviewing you. So thank you for being here with me. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It was fun. Yeah, it was so much fun. Last time you were on, it was the beginning of, of my interviewing career. So I'm really excited to have you back on now. And everybody, go to callpolitics.com. But most of all, everybody, you know, that uh, Carl, I could talk to you for hours and hours and days and days and weeks. And weeks. But i got to close up the show because Mr. B is laying the music underneath. Everybody remember the right questions can change your life. So what are you asking today? Have a great day, everyone, and hug someone you love because tomorrow you may not be able to. Have a great day.